everybody. This is the first episode of Life Negotiations. I am going to start interviewing people who know a lot about negotiations and who can share their expertise, their knowledge. And today, my first guest is Scott Tillema. Scott, thank you so much for being here. He is police officer in the United States. He has been trained by the FBI and is specialized in hostage negotiations. And he's also training other police officers and also the private sector in crisis negotiations and sharing his knowledge and expertise. So I'm so happy to have you here. I watched your TED uh, talk, very interesting. Thank you so much. And if you haven't watched it, go watch his TED talk, really impressive. What I really liked about it is that you didn't come with a success story, but you came with something that was actually difficult. For those who haven't seen, can you please explain again this difficulty that you went through at work with one of your crisis negotiations. Sure. First of all, hello, Lucine. Thank you for the honor of being your first guest of many in what's going to be an incredible, uh, incredibly successful series of videos uh, that I can't wait to see sharing your knowledge and expertise in negotiation with all of us. It is an honor to be with you. Thank you for inviting me. So uh, my, my thought on uh, the TED Talk is uh, I wanted to share some stories from my work as a police hostage negotiator. And in putting this together, I, I bounced around a number of ideas of, you know, should, should we share a story of, of great success? Uh, should we share stories of failure or somewhere in between? And I went with uh, sharing a few stories uh, where things didn't maybe work out as well as we wanted it to. And, and I think maybe specifically you're referring to uh, the incident where we were having a negotiation with uh, a man who was holding a gun to his head for many, many hours. And unfortunately, even with our, our best efforts and, and, and knowledge and experience and, and all the techniques as trained negotiators, he ended up shooting himself in the head. And it was a, um, a, a very difficult thing for us to process because that's what we, we don't want to have happen. And statistically, our, our success rate in the field is, is very high. Um, so it's it's tough to process um, a, a loss in negotiations, I guess. And these are the lessons that I feel that many people can relate to because all of us struggle, all of us find uh, areas that we're challenged in. So instead of saying, "Hey, look at look at this great success," um, I, I took a more humbled approach to say, "You know, we we all go through this, and what can we learn from this? What can we use to grow and become better uh, when we're?" having our next negotiation because there's always going to be a next time. Exactly. And I'm so happy you did because be it in negotiations or in everyday life, it's always through our struggles that we learn most, right? It's always through something that goes wrong, that goes something that we didn't want, that makes us learn and grow most if we wanted to, and if you want to see the server lining and lessons. So what is it that you learn most from this experience or from hostage negotiations in general? What would you say is the number one most important thing that you learned and you're like, this you have to know? Of course. And I think that most people who watch hostage negotiators in the movies or on the TV show think that we're incredibly smooth talkers, that we can convince people to do anything that we want them to do through what we say and how we say it. But really, we're, we, we need to be great problem solvers. If you're a negotiator, you need to uh, be a good listener. You need to really be able to take in the information because I think that what makes you a powerful negotiator is having information and having options. 
And it's, it's very, very important to be a good convincing talker, to have great delivery, to be smooth in conveying what you want to convey. But really our power comes uh, from a lot of what we do away from the table and, and knowing that here's all the information that I have. So here's different uh, solutions we could propose or here's some areas that we can find value. So I think that we have to be really good listeners. We have to be curious. We have to be thoughtful. We have to be likable. And we, we have to develop uh, the mindset of collaboration rather than um, what people understand to be it's me against you and we're fighting for um, you know our, our piece of that negotiation win. Let's work together and let's explore each other's interests. Yeah. And this is where we're going to find value and this is where we're going to find creative solutions. Well, I love you saying that because when I pull that towards the business negotiations where you know, where my expertise is, be it in M&A or IPOs or just difficult negotiations, but for to come to an agreement and everything you say, it's kind of the same. Yeah, I guess that's why you are so powerful also when you do your trainings in the business world, because in the end, listening skills, trying to understand what it is that the other person really wants, although it's not what they say they want, having that curiosity to go beyond what's being said and having that but I say, listen in 5D to, to listen to what is being said, what is not being said, what is really being said, what is said between the lines. And I try to understand all that. So I guess we see a lot of similarities between then hostage negotiations and business negotiations. Very much. And these skills are all transferable because we're dealing with people. At the end of the day, you're not negotiating with Walmart, the entity you're negotiating with a person, somebody who is impacted by emotions. And I love studying decision-making and how we do what we, how we decide what we decide based on what we're thinking, what we're feeling. And so much of it is not logical uh, thought and reasoning that this is the best idea or this is the best solution. It's really um, out of emotions. And this is how I feel. I feel that this is right. And then sometimes we go back and justify it with okay, this seems to be the best idea because of this, this, and this. But if we don't understand emotions within decision-making, we're really going to fall behind the experts who are out there who have a good understanding of human behavior. I couldn't agree with you more. That's why, for me, emotions and negotiations go hand in hand. And that's why I say, okay, I train you in becoming a better negotiator, but I also train you in emotional intelligence because those two go together. And I have clients saying, Luz, one day you're training about negotiations, one day you're training about emotional intelligence. Just pick one so that it's clear what you do. I say, well, I do both. And they go hand in hand. And there are so many books written about keep the emotions outside of the training table, of, of the negotiation table, emotions, you should put them in your pocket. And that's, I think, one of the biggest nonsense in the world. We are human beings with emotions. Saying, keep your emotions out, is as, like saying, stop breathing. No, it's just not going to happen. So right. I think by using emotions, by understanding emotions, by learning about emotions, by recognizing your own so that you can recognize other people's emotions, by having a knowledge in emotional expression and putting words into what it is that you feel, what it is that you observe, that's how you connect with people. And that's how you go beyond, again, what's being said to really try to connect with people and then make the best decisions. And I think we should teach this to kids, right? Both negotiations and emotional intelligence, because... Whether we realize it or not, we do all 
negotiate every single day, right? All the time. I love rewarding my oldest daughter for empathy when, when she is thoughtful about how I'm feeling. And, and she's much too young for this. And I say that that's such great empathy. And, and I give her great rewards every time she demonstrates this, uh, this thoughtfulness of, of people other than herself. And I tell her, I said, this is going to get you whatever you want in life. Anything that you want, you're going to get it if you can keep doing this. I love that. And how old is she? She's 10. 10. Yeah, exactly. That's not too young to learn about empathy. That's perfect. That's very good. Yeah. So we talked about hostage negotiation, pulling it towards business and then pulling it towards a bit everyday life. And as you know, I'm really passionate about human behavior and personal growth and personal development. And I pull it even further and say, what about negotiations with ourselves. I believe that we all negotiate with ourselves every single day as well, because we all have, for example, goals that we want to achieve, but then we don't, whereas we know exactly the steps to take to get there. So that makes me say, then there is a part of you that wants it, and there's a part of you that's holding it back. So that means there are two people that are negotiating internally. I'm really passionate about that. We should write a book about this. But what would be your opinion about negotiations with yourself? I think that it comes back to your piece, what you were just discussing on emotional intelligence, that we have to first begin by understanding ourselves because Scott today is very, very different from Scott tomorrow. And sometimes Scott today wins when I want to be lazy and sit on the couch and relax and, and do very little. But then I, I have to realize that Scott tomorrow is going to suffer. I have an opportunity today to read a book or listen to a podcast, or learn from an expert somehow, because that's going to position me better for tomorrow. So I think that by having a, a, a good understanding of ourselves and a vision of where we want to go, that we can, we can map out success steps, steps that we can hit every day, every minute, every hour to say, hey, I'm going to do a little bit here, and I'm going to see that success tomorrow. And these great opportunities that I'm going to have next week, next month, next year are happening because of the time I'm investing in myself today. And we all have that battle in ourselves. We all want to be lazy. We want to skip the exercise. I don't feel like going for a run today. It's too cold. It's too icy, whatever it might be. There's a ton of excuses. And if I can step back and see myself saying, I know how I'm going to behave. I want to go and, and get some greasy, bad food that's not good for me. And, and I know I can control myself because I know what I'm going to do. I know my instincts and I'm going to avoid it early on and get focused on where I need to go to find the success tomorrow that, that I'm working toward every day. Mm. And do you think your work as a hostage negotiator helped you to get there, to get more things done when you negotiate with yourself? Of course, because when, when we're in a negotiation, we want to get caught up on every word and we want to be argumentative and, 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 and get right, right down to every detail. But if we can just back it up a little bit and say there, there's no need to become argumentative on, on the words that were being said or how they were being said, let's think about what's my big goal here and where do we want to get together and once, once we have that, that bigger, broader perspective, we don't, we don't need to get upset or, or get jammed up on these little details and, and these challenges that we face every day. Let's, let's keep the big picture, the big goals in mind, and we're going to get there. Amazing. I love that. And then I would like to, if you allow me, pull it even further. So we go from hostage to business, the negotiation with yourself, and then make it even broader in what I call negotiations with life. So something happens, a big, massive change. I mean, we all went through this in 2020, right? Nobody saw this one coming. And there were all of a sudden so many changes in everybody's life. Some people 
lost loved ones. Some people lost their jobs, but also some, many people changed the way they were working. And we all had to adapt to this, whether we wanted or not, whether we liked it or not. And then for me, that's also like a negotiations with life of saying, how are you going to deal with change when you don't expect it, when you don't want it, but you have to? How do, you, how do you adapt? I remember having gone through very difficult changes in my life. And I remember really negotiating with life, like, no, please not this, please not this option, please not this disease or whatever it is. So what would be your view on that? I know it's you know, not something we talk about often, but I really see it as life negotiations. What would be your view on that? It is. And that's an important question. And I love your focus on adaptability and flexibility. I think that's a huge, huge skill that we need to have within negotiations because we can have a great plan, but until we start dealing with the other side, we don't know how that's going to go. So we need to move and adapt very, very quickly. And we've been challenged with that in 2020 and in every year, we're always finding challenges that we weren't expecting. And for me, it gave me an opportunity to step back and say, what is my purpose? And ask myself that question. What do I want from life? What do I have to offer? And I think that once we can identify what our purpose is, what value we can bring to others, then we can stay focused on the things that we can control rather than worrying about all these things in the world that we can't control. Yeah. We can't control COVID. We can't control what's happening in the economy. It's, it's, it's beyond us. So let's stay focused on our circle of influence and how can we bring that to others? And for me, serving others becomes an important purpose. And, and I found that through 2020 and through the criticism that American police have faced um, pretty broadly throughout the year, my, my discussion with myself is, what value can I bring? What purpose do I have? And I started to come upon the idea that I want to bring negotiation training to all police officers across the country. I developed a, a framework for crisis negotiation. And my goal is to make this known to every police officer everywhere, because I think that verbal influence is the most important skill that we're going to have. So I started thinking about how can I offer this to people? And I've just come to the conclusion that I wanna offer this to police for free. I'm gonna take my own oh. time and my own costs to travel to them and put on this these trainings so they can have this. And, and I'm starting to offer this right here in 2020. I've got a couple events that I'm gonna be uh, delivering to police. But I think that if we can start to find our purpose, I want to bring verbal influence training at a very high level to people everywhere, then I've got to focus. Now, now I can stop worrying about the things around me that I can't control and, and I can get very dialed in on what it is I want to do. And I can make a difference and, and try and be generous in doing it. I, I think that if, if people can get dialed in, what's my purpose today? What's my purpose this year? What's my purpose in life? We can become very focused and, and find, find inner peace and happiness. Amazing. I love that. And I love your purpose and that generosity of saying, you know, I want to share with others. And I mean, we both know how life changer it will be when people negotiate better and how many better solutions come up and you don't have to use your gun and you don't have to use aggression or violence or anything in that world. And you truly use your words as the main arm in getting to an agreement. So yes, please go for it, go for it, go for it. If there's anything I can do to help you on your journey and, and teach people how to negotiate better, this is such an important skill. So I love your life purpose and I wish you all the best with that. And I absolutely agree with the fact, stop focusing on what you cannot control 
and also stop resisting what already is because mm -hmm. that also takes so much energy so if we can learn to accept as soon as possible what is what we really can't control and then go all in on what we can control and try to make the best of that that will help us you know not feel sorry for ourselves or go into victimhood yeah i love what you said about that thank you so much so we have a question of someone asking how do you negotiate with someone who doesn't want to negotiate i think that it's important that we always have options available when when we need something we become less powerful than we just want something and and we want to um, say no I think if somebody doesn't want to negotiate, we have to be sometimes comfortable in a monologue, sometimes a, a one-way discussion, throwing out you know hooks and themes and, and see what might catch with them, what might resonate. We, we have to be a little bit vulnerable to say that, hey, this negotiation might not go and that's okay. You know, We might not reach an agreement here and that's okay. Um, we, we have to be comfortable being told no. We have to be comfortable saying no to people. Mm -hmm. uh, but a lot of people may not know what it is they want. Um, they, they may not be clear on what they're asking for. And it's important that we understand that everybody experiences pain. So I want to explore where people are suffering, where, where they find those pain points and what in their lives we can improve. What, what in our collaboration could help you? And you might not want to negotiate because you might not feel that you need to negotiate. Mm. You, you might think everything is fine. But if we start exploring some areas to say, wouldn't your life be better if we did this? Could your business improve if we added these skills or helped your employees do this, this, and this? And you may not want to negotiate, but now that you can see there could be huge value in making changes. And, and it could just boil down to that we're resistant to change. I know I am, I'm, I'm a very predictable person. I don't like change and trying new things. But once we um, share the vision for here's the new world, here's the results from engaging in this collaboration, it's not gonna be a competitive negotiation. It's gonna be a collaboration. We're going to work together mm. and you're gonna get what you need. I'm gonna get what I need. And together we're gonna to achieve much better results than what you're experiencing right now. And I think that a lot of these things are going to help nudge people off of the stubbornness of, I don't want to negotiate. I don't want to yeah. talk to you to experience, you know what, maybe I am going through some things that I could improve in my life. So let's, let's go ahead and explore this. So first try to understand why it is that they don't negotiate if they think they don't have to, and then use projection to say, what if, and project something. And if that's something that adds value to their lives as well, that might open them up. Okay. A second question from the audience was, what if you're being pushed forward to negotiate, but the person you're negotiating with says, I don't want to negotiate with you, call your boss, or I want to talk to your boss. How do you deal with that situation mm -hmm. in your world? Yeah, that, that's a great one. When we're doing negotiation training, we'll sometimes say to the new negotiators, I want to talk to the person in charge. Exactly. And that's, that, that's a and real challenge. Too. <laughs> so first of all, we have to realize that when we get this question, it's going to be a little bit of challenge to our ego. So we're going to yeah. have an emotional reaction because they're saying, you know what, you're not important. You're not the decision maker. You're so we're going to skip by you. So first of all, 
get comfortable with that question to know, all right, I, the emotional response I might get, I, I need to set that aside and just get focused on this and maybe share with them. Hey, there, there's a number of people in charge right now on, on an incident like this. We, we have a whole command staff of people making decisions, but I've been given the authority to speak mm -hmm. for this organization and, and to have this discussion and make decisions that would be in your best interest and mine as well. So let them know that I, I do have the authority to have these conversations and, and there isn't going to be a single person, you know, above me who's going to make the decision. And I found that that's uh, fairly effective in, in getting them rerouted. But a lot of that question that becomes problematic is when the negotiator takes offense to that to say, okay. hey, you're, you're not important. So get back to emotional control, that emotional intelligence that you speak of. Have a good mastery of yourself, have good control of yourself, because once once I know that a question like that bothers you, once I know which buttons to push, I become much more powerful in the negotiation because I'm starting to control you rather than you controlling you. I love what you said. I've been given the authority and I have the authority to make the decisions in this part of the negotiation. Yeah, that's what we do as well. And instead of authority, we call it mandate. And because in negotiations, we're sometimes called in and then the company says, you know what, for, for whatever reason, we don't want to negotiate with this client. So they gave us the mandate, which we actually sign and we know until where we can go. And then we know that, okay, we have the mandate to negotiate until there and then. And then you become the decision maker until the mandate that you've been given. So then you go all in and then you are the decision maker and there is no need to say, I don't want to negotiate with you. You are that person. But people have sometimes difficulties taking that ownership, taking that authority or that mandate and say, no, this is it. I'm the one who's going to negotiate and that's the way it is. And try to take away the reasons why they think you're not the right person. Because in the end, the reason people saying that is often because they think someone else is going to make the decisions. You cannot make the decisions and they want to come to a decision. So if you tackle that head on then often that reason goes away and they negotiate with you anyway. And we could also probably take a moment to assess why are they asking that? That could be a signal that things are going very, very well for us, that they're they're feeling frustrated that they can't get what they want and, and they're trying they're looking for a different option, but it could also be a signal that things are, are going very poorly. So do we need to assess that, hey, something's going terribly wrong on our side? So so let's not dismiss that when we hear that and really do an assessment here. Hey, are we doing as well as we could be here? Yeah. And in the business world, sometimes it's also simply an ego issue. I have, for example, a managing director title. So I only want to negotiate with someone who has a managing director title or CEO or whatever it is. So that also sometimes happens. And then we break it down to the mandate again. Who has the mandate to negotiate? And then the title doesn't matter. Okay, I love that one. Now, I'm going to ask you a few questions. And I just want a very short answer. Okay? okay. You can't think okay. about it. You can't analyze it. You can't come up with facts and figures and na na na. Just the first thing that comes to mind. Okay? How exciting. Let's do it. Let's Are do you it. Ready? Okay. Who negotiates better, men or women? Women. Is it better to be young or old to be taken seriously in negotiations? Old. If you are negotiating with someone who really, really doesn't want to negotiate with you, is it better to convince them that it's better to negotiate with you or bring someone else in? Convince them to work with me. So all these questions, I just improvised them. But it's all questions that there is no right or wrong. There is no, you know, we don't have statistics still about who is a better negotiator, men or women. I mean, I have a few statistics that I can pull out, but these are many questions that people ask me, you know, I'm sure you get things done because you're a woman. And I'm like, if you only knew, 
how much easier it is in most situations to be a man. And this discussion goes on and on, and there is no clear answer. Same for young and old. Often people think, yeah, it's better to be old. And the reason I ask these two is because I've been often in times where I was a woman and I was the only woman on the negotiation table, you know, in my first career of, I was working in finance and trading mm -hmm. floors and investment banks. And obviously there are not many, many women on trading floors still. And I was always, or very often the youngest. So these two people think the opposite, but if you work on yourself, if you work on your own skills and the things that you can control, obviously nobody can control their age or their gender, although there are some things to be done now, but let's put that aside. You do, it become back to that negotiations with life. You, you accept what is, you focus on what you can control, and then you focus on your emotions. Also in this case, self-confidence, assertivity, you know, having the mandate to say, you know, I belong here. Okay, thank you very much. Listen, I have so many more questions to ask you, but I am very aware of your time and that we don't have that much time because it's very early for you now and you're going to work, right? We're always on the move, always got something going on. You need to stay busy if you want to be successful, right? Yeah, exactly. So thank you so much, Scott, for your time, for sharing all this with us. Based on the feedback we receive, I was thinking maybe we should organize like a live Q&A where the audience can really ask their questions. For example, when I'm watching a podcast, there are often questions and, and if the guest is not answering that one, I, sometimes I get this frustrated feeling of, oh, I wish he or she had said that. So based on the feedback that we receive on this one, maybe we could also then organize a live Q&A where people can ask us all the questions they want. What do you think? I think that would be terrific. And and truly any opportunity to work with you is, is an honor. I, I gain so much uh, following you and your work. I mean, you're across the world doing entirely different negotiation type work, but I learned so much and, and I can transfer this back to the officers and the people in law enforcement that I teach. I value any opportunity to work with you. And if we can bring value to your audience, it would be my pleasure to do so. Wonderful. Thank you so much, Scott. Thank you, everybody listening to this episode. This was the first one. It was a bit improvised, but I had a lot of fun. My first guest was fantastic, don't you think? And I look forward to bringing in more guests, more specialists in negotiations and add value to you and your everyday life.